Alright, so this is day nine, Doc Scott's Revival Talk. Sorry it took me a second. I um, thought I would throw the phone and the tripod on the floor briefly, not on purpose. This is our commercial break, Smart Water. Um, I, it hasn't started working yet, but I hear it gets the metal out of your body, which is good for the pineal gland. Um, you know, that's the part of us that can like dream dreams. Um, at any rate, I want to read this um, from this new era of glory, just a little excerpt here, and then we'll kind of launch into this part. He says, oh, that's by Tim Sheets. He says, we're moving into a miraculous movement moment. Many years ago, I began to declare this moment that uh, will be a moment that moves. And now, intersecting this moment, and, the, and it, that changes everything, a new era is before us. Meaning, we must think, act, and engage in a different way. He says, prophetic words, prophetic dreams are intersecting their moment, and the great harvest, outpouring, awakening, and reformation promised have intersected their God-prepared moment. The ecclesia of King Jesus has come to its moment, which means you and I have come to our moment. We are born-again ones, sons and daughters of God with the DNA of our Father inside us to subdue and to have dominion on earth. To disciple, to bind, loose, permit, forbid, to represent the mighty kingdom of Almighty God. This is, this is the supernatural prepared for season when the ecclesia finds her voice. right? <laughs> Number 12. We are here to give voice to the will of God on this planet, and we are here to voice the governing decrees of the kingdom to shift a region, a nation, and a world. <laughs> and we're here to give voice to the purpose and strategies of Almighty God and the Holy Spirit of who Jesus declared was our advantage. No matter the odds, we always have the advantage. I think there is a real temptation for us to see. And this is why I don't do the whole praying to judgment stuff, because it's like that all took place on the cross. But I think it's easy. I know, I mean, like, especially not just for unsaved people, like my dad. I love him to death. He watches news 24-7. He has 15 different conservative talk shows that he listens to, etc., and my joke with my dad is, or my mom says it, um, she's like, honey, if you keep talking like that, you're going to want, these guys are going to want to go blow their brains out because there's just like nothing in that. And so when you don't have hope, then the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But when you have hope and you know that you're living in your moment, that this moment, this day is ordained for everything to change. This is being called a new era, not just a revival. This is a new era. In other words, a new era, everything changes. The complete landscape is changing on the planet. The landscape of our country right now is changing. There is so much that is pregnant in the unseen real that is about to be unleashed. And it's being unleashed right now. It is. It's right now. He says... 
We are here to be God's voice to awaken the conscience of a nation and to show, shift it back to its covenant roots. Hmm. We can do it. We're prepared to do it. I've been talking about that we're prepared that in the sense that God has been training us in his goodness and he has been training us in the long haul of believing him, persevering in places of faith, of getting up each day and declaring what the day is going to bring. Guys, we have control over what the day looks like and it all begins with our mouth. If I wake up and declare that I'm exhausted, if I wake up and declare that this day has already gone to heck and it's 8.15 8, and it's already gone, then I've already set in motion the thing that my expectation for the day and I've also given permission for everything else to come in and wreck it. Our day begins with the declaration that the purpose, that the plan of heaven is manifesting in me, through me, to everyone around me. My declaration at the beginning of my day is that this day is a day that you've made. And this day is going to look like this. We set the atmosphere and the expectation of our heart with our mouth. And there are some times, I remember um, a pastor friend that um, every time, every now and then during worship, he would begin to dance and to move. I mean, sometimes men are awkward when they do that. Uh, you know, it's, it's easier to see a nice uh, female, you know, woman uh, doing ballet and dancing during worship. We can handle that. It's like, wow, that's really beautiful. And sometimes when the men do, it looks a little awkward. And he got up when he went to preach a sermon and he said this, I know some of you guys are wondering why I was doing that, why I was so intentional in my worship and my dance. He said, because I woke up and I wasn't feeling it. And you can know that if I wasn't feeling it, that I, my actions are going to be more intentional. That's right, my new normal, exactly. So in other words, what he was saying was his body is an instrument of worship and that he was going to command his day in his actions. And sometimes the praises have to rise in order for my spirit to engage. It's not the other way around. If I worship when I feel like it, that means that every crummy moment of my day, I'm whatever over here. And I just want to say something about worship. I think I told a little of this before. Benny Johnson years ago was sick, okay? She had something in her body. It created like major fatigue. And she realized, you know, much like the man at the pool, Bethesda, that over time, her thankfulness had gone and the complaint in her heart had taken up the most room. And she wanted to change that. Now, what she did back then was old school. We have iPhones. <laughs> she bought a little bang that she clipped to her belt. And every 10 minutes, it went off. And she stopped whatever she was doing and began to lift Jesus up to worship. She didn't do it based on how her body felt. It wasn't based on what her emotions were saying. 
Guys, we cannot, and I'm preaching to the choir. My wife knows that I make emotional shifts very slowly and that I am often the kid who says, you know, the two sons, one says he won't do it and then he goes and does it. Well, I mean, and Jamie knows, of course he does. He's the one that wrecked everything. So, um, in a good way, I want to clarify that if I'm going to put that in the atmosphere. <laughs> I don't want... I don't, want the, I don't want the heavens to misinterpret, but I think they know my heart. But my point is that sometimes I have to do things. Yeah, my wife said kicking and screaming, right. It's a season to lift. That's right. It's a season to lift Jesus high. And sometimes I have to engage my body, my heart, and my soul with great intentionality and let everything else follow. Sometimes I have to declare a word that I might not feel, but here's the thing. It's not about what I feel. When I release something into the atmosphere with my words, whether I have the big whoo feelings or not, it is producing something. We are made in his image. He created the heavens and the earth with a word. Why don't we? Why aren't we framing up the reality that we want to see? There was a song I was singing off the chain. I'll believe it. I'll, I'll believe it. I'll, I'll admit, I'll have, I'll see it when I believe it. And I thought about that and I was like, oh, I'll begin to see what I believe, as a man thinketh he is. My first place is to deposit my faith. And when I'm believing, I'll begin to see. Because what I frame up with my mouth and in my heart with faith. Guys, I can choose faith. It's Jesus' faith anyway, most of the time. Sometimes it's not our own. Sometimes we got to let the guy down through the little thatch roof, and it's the faith of those around me. That's what the body is for. You know, I have a, my best friend out in California, Kent. You know, it's like over the years, <laughs> we have, we've spent a lot of time on the phone, okay? And sometimes our sessions would start off as a little bit of a moan and groan, you know, contending from disappointment. We, when is God going to do this and blah, 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 da, da. And every time it ended in a declaration and a releasing of the kingdom of heaven with our mouth on the planet. The body of Christ is for that. We were never made to live in isolation and our lifestyle oftentimes dictates that we don't do community well. And we can't live in that place. Isolation will not give you what you need to walk in this hour of the church. We must be connected. We have to be connected to each other. That's part of what this is. I mean, it's, it's one way. It's one of a million ways that we connect. And that's why I say on the revival prayer, just log in later. Jesus isn't like offended that we didn't do it all at the same time. We can agree and not have it in the same moment, okay? So my point is, is that 
we're, we really are in charge of what we do and framing up our reality. And we can't afford to live in this hour of the church in isolation. There is enough darkness, right? And the way that I, I, I don't look at the storm and I don't look at the chaos that's not Jesus because there is a holy chaos that's here, okay? But when I, the way I don't see the other and I keep myself focused in the unseen realm is I need my wife, I need my brothers, I need other people to come into places of agreement, right? Isolation will only breed further isolation. There is no one who ever does it well on their own. There isn't anyone who does it without a body of believers. It's like we don't do that. We weren't made for that. We were made for communion. And so in communion and what we have with another, look, I mean, let's just be practical. In the course of a day, how many people have seen their mood, their thought life, and their overall disposition go from the top of the mountain to the pit of hell in like, you know, what, 0.2 seconds flat? In school, I mean, honestly, we're addicted to, we are addicted to trauma and drama. I'm just saying. I, I see kids, I see teachers, I see all of it every day that they, if they're not in a good rage before they get to work, they're just not really happy. Let's just let go of our addiction to trauma and let's let go of our addiction to drama and let's let go of our addiction to rage because rage and cynicism is the thing we do to keep ourselves outside of what God is actually doing. Criticism is easy. Judgment is easy, but criticism and judgment shut the door to the Holy Spirit. And so the minute that I engage, look, I cannot go in the teacher's lounge, just being real, because I can't hear all of that negativity and let it just permeate my spirit without it affecting me. That we are spirit, we are soul, we are body. Everything touches us. Everything. So if we aren't generating the atmosphere, then the atmosphere is generating us. And we need to declare and speak over the atmosphere first of my heart and then of my day and then of my perimeter that around me, this is what it's going to look like. And I guarantee you, you won't always feel like framing up reality in your mouth. My joke about tongues is that I speak in tongues to survive. <laughs> I try to do it all day long. But, you know, people think I'm putting in grades and I'm just like, ora bashito do ko, A minus, right? Yeah, so my point is, we have to guard the atmosphere that's around our heart and we have to guard the atmosphere that's around us. And we frame that up with our mouth. And what we do in the body is when I'm framing it up negative, my wife says, basically, let's reframe. That's what we do for each other. No one is an island and no one does this by themselves and left to ourselves, we don't do well. So we have to reach out. We have to reach across. We have to touch other places of the body. 
We have to have those prayer calls. We have to have that worship rolling in the background. I have worship all day long playing. Why? And I have this sign, pasted, pray, backwards, there. See it? All over. Why? I know to pray, but every time I look at my monitor, I get reminded. Oh, yes. That's what, I, that's what that does. It reminds me that I need to pray, and I'll tell you. I don't want to talk about all this. I challenged our church a while back to pray in tongues for 30 minutes a day. You got to have a prayer language, guys. If you don't have one, just put it in the post. We're going to pray for you. You're going to get it. Because it's the only gift, that, supernatural, that I have control over, right? And if I'm praying in the spirit, Paul says my mind is still fruitful, right? I can pray in the spirit and my mind can have its own field day in a good way. And I, we have to do that one and sow something. I can't not sow spiritually and expect to reap. If I sow to my flesh, I will reap from my flesh. Half of what we deal with and struggle with is because of where we sow. If I take everything in through my eyes that's unholy, I've sown to my flesh. And what do I think I'm going to re reap? You're going to reap. We're going to reap what we sow. So we have to see the sowing in the spirit as our first priority to our day. We have to see that when I sow the words, that I am literally framing up a reality whether I feel it or not. Trust me, you are. And your heart and your emotions will follow. We're an emotionally based culture. I'm an emotionally based person. And if I functioned on my emotions solely, I think I would do depression 24-7. We don't function that way. Heavenly mindset, I'm spirit first. That's the part that's going to leave when my body stays here. It's the part of me that's been with Jesus since before time. I, I, we were all with him. We died with him. We were crucified with him and we were resurrected with him. We have always been with him and he has always loved us. So doesn't it make sense that I should be employing my kingdom reality in terms of what it means for me to be made in his image, to be an image bearing son or daughter it means that everything of who he is is mine and it's actually in me and it's part of my DNA. The world system is the only system that tries to move us out of our DNA, out of our seat, out of our reality. Look, Michael Van Blyman, I'll end with this. I love that man. He does a lot on angels. Let me just read this one little thing and I will talk about him and I'll be done. He says, some of the things that you will identify that it's time for a new era to begin in the kingdom are this. These are some things we can identify. Fresh anointings of the Holy Spirit begin to break out everywhere. Fresh movings and Pentecost begin to happen. All right, if you haven't been awake and you don't know that we're experiencing revival, hot spots all over the place. It's happening. 
A, check that off. B, angel activities begins. Angels always assist new outpourings. We are seeing a lot of angel activity and it's increasing. And C, this is the time we know that we're at a new era. The prophetic words of the apostles and prophets begin to declare it. New era. I have heard that word coming out of the mouth of prophets and apostles. And an era is different than a dispensation. It's different than a season. It's different than a time or a particular revival. Era implies that everything foundational and everything begins to change and look different. That literally there's a reboot on the planet and in the spirit. And in the reboot, everything changes. That's an era. An era is a, a point where you look back and you can see a stretch of time and you can identify what God was doing during that season juxtaposed to every other season. And that's why this revival is, is unparalleled and unprecedented, precedented not only in its magnitude, but in its breadth and in its expression. The expression is going to be broader than anything we've ever seen. So, back to my boy, Michael. One day he was praying, and he saw in the spirit, in front of him, a crystal glass. And Jesus said, grab it. So, you know, we do prophetic acts, you know what I mean? I moved, I moved from one seat to the other the other day, and Jamie messed up my life in the best way. And I'm, I keep saying that, I must have to deal with something. Um, so he reached out to grab the crystal glass and it materialized in his hand, real glass. He said, the Lord always does things as object lessons for me. He wanted me to know that the unseen real was more real than what I was seeing in the natural. Guys, when a spirit crystal glass becomes a tangible crystal glass, I think that's a huge little metaphor here, Mr. English major and all, that the unseen real is more real. And that's why we have to live from heaven. We have to be in that place and we have to be in a company of people that enable us to ascend and descend and ascend and descend. I like Bob Jones's comment. When they asked Bob Jones if he believed in the rapture, he said, yes, I have three or four a day. <laughs> that's us, and that's our new normal. We were never meant to be stuck alone on the planet without being in heaven. We were never meant to be, to not be in both places. Heaven and ascending and descending was supposed to always be the norm. Paul proves that. He plays it out. Because he talked about blurry, 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 right? So we were meant to walk in two places. Just because our Western little Christianity that's so nice and cerebral has limited us to the book, which is supernatural, and I we know that, it has divorced encounter from truth and divorced us from the heavens and divorced us from the activity of heaven. And so therefore, comma, the only thing we we think we have is behaving. And I just want to say, how is that working for you? How is 
just behaving and surviving. This is no longer about survival. This is reality. And reality is the unseen real being manifest. And it's being manifest through my words. Justin Abraham says, frame up the reality that you want to walk in. Just because this is unfamiliar territory doesn't make it not true. Just because it's unfamiliar doesn't make it less true. We should be forever in the place of being stretched beyond imagination, our imagination, being challenged in every way because of the thing that is new on the plate today. We have had limited access by choice and by ignorance. If I don't know that I can have it, I don't know that I can get it. If I don't know that it's mine, I won't go after it. This is the go after moment. This is the moment where we go after it all. We're all in, we go after it all, and we say yes to everything, and we deal with what it looks like and what it does to mess me up. If it changes me forever, I thought that was the point. If it messes with me, okay, guys, you know the little saying, Jesus is bigger in his ability to keep you than the enemy is to deceive you? Look, do what we do in relationship and with, with Jesus and others, and you'll be fine. I guarantee it. Do what you do with Jesus and with others who are like-minded, who have a broader palette to pull from, that know what it means to ascend and descend, to embrace heaven, to go to heaven, to bring heaven to earth. If you're not surrounded by that, then get out. What do you have in common with people who don't even have a grid? I'm not saying be mean or weird. I'm saying find a place because the ecclesia is everywhere and there are people in every region, every city, all over this planet who are ascending and descending and are tapping into everything that heaven has. There are people who are pulling it down, pulling it down, and they're going there and going there and going there. They're there. Find them and get together with somebody who's doing what you want to do. Get together with people who have gifts that you don't. Get together with people and movements and bodies that are doing something you're not. How else do you think you're going to get it? Not on TV. Relocate. Relocate. For eternity, what's more important? My comfort or my radical discomfort in the kingdom, living in a place where I am constantly stretched, where I am constantly challenged because what I'm seeing manifests, what I'm believing is manifesting in front of me and what I'm seeing, I can't wrap my head around it. If you can wrap your head around everything that's going on in your life, then you're dead. Wake up. We have to wake up. And I'm talking to me. If I can wrap my head around everything God's doing, then I'm dead. I've got it figured out. Might as well call me a Pharisee. I'll just go home. 
If you're living in a place where you don't get half of what's going on or three quarters of what's going on because so much of heaven is taking place around you and so much of what's in the spirit is manifesting around you and it's something you've never seen, I'll say, stay there because you're in the right place. But if you're not there now, look, what do you want to do with what remains? What do we want to do? This is an hour and a moment where we get to decide what are you going to do with what you're doing the rest of your life? What are you going to do in the vapor that you are on earth and how do you want to spend it and how much is it going to cost you and what are you willing to do to get there? Come on. This is once. Eternity, yes. But this part, the snapshot, the vapor on heaven is once. So get it. Move. I don't want a career to define me. I want heaven to define me. And I want the people of heaven that are around me to be defined by what heaven is doing now. I want the moment to define me. I want what's going on right now today. And if I'm not around anybody that's like-minded, I'm going to find them. If you're hungry, you go where there's water. If you want to ascend, you go to where people are already doing it. Connect. Social media, do whatever. If you can't make the move, but just do. We've got to do something and take this moment. It is our moment. And all of heaven has availed itself to us today. Mm, Jesus' name. I'll leave it at that. It's about to move. And if you got to move to go with it, I'd move. There's nothing for such a time as this. There is nothing better than to live in the moment that we're in right now. All things are converging in the extended moment that will take us a party all the way to the end of the wildest ride and the hugest harvest we've ever seen. This is the moment we've been waiting for. This is it. If you're wondering if it's it, the answer is yes. This is your moment. This is the king's moment. Let's share the moment and get on the page with the king. And let's do the thing where we're actually heavenly minded, where we're not serving two masters. There's nothing else that's worth living for right now than what God is doing and serving and loving him and seeking his face and being where he's at. This is a moment that you've been waiting for. If you don't move with it, your convergence is thwarted. This is convergence, and this is a moment, and we have to seize that moment. It's now. So we say yes. See you guys tomorrow. 6.30 for prayer, 7 for this little chat that's gone on longer than normal. Blessings.